Star Wars. Hope Molnax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to Jedi's and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Jedi's and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of The Mandalorian. In this episode, Din needs help with his ship, so he hits up Grief Karga and other allies for help. There will be Grogu stealing some cookies as Jen realizes the baddies want his son. We're talking about the Mandalorian episode, The Siege, this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. How are you doing? I still have shrimp. Yeah, the shrimp are still alive. Yeah, we determined that. That's the first thing I asked. I'm very curious. Yeah, for, so, yeah. for listeners, if you, if you missed last week's episode, I'm currently pet-sitting, and they said that I'll be lucky if the shrimp survive them coming back, and I'm here for three weeks, and I'm you on might, week two, and you the might shrimp be are still hero. here. You might have a job for life if they come home and the shrimp are still alive. They're like, shit, the shrimp would have died if we were home. <laughs> yeah, and I keep checking it, um, and I've been adding water to their tanks, so they've been having fresh water. That just Actually, that reminds me, I need to add water to all the tanks tomorrow. So, uh, so Hope, here's what you here's what you do when they get home. Tell him you had you had an incident with one of the shrimp where where it died and you pulled it out but you saw it go down, so you pulled it out of the water and you had to rig up a thing with a plastic bag to like give it to like cover up its gills while you gave it CPR, and you CPR'd the 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 shrimp back. If you want to get really crazy, tell him like you had to break open a flashlight and put two wires on the batteries and. <laughs> Jump start it's a little shrimp heart but you got it going you got it going you gave him a heart massage and cpr <laughs> that'd be so hard because shrimp, like shrimp pr they're about the same size as the first digit of my pinky if not a little bit smaller like they're very tiny um they're they're like baby shrimp so they are they are <laughs> Telling you um, how to Google the number of a famous shrimp doctor and call them up and wake them up out of bed to do the c- shrimp CPR. The shrimp whisperer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but how you doing? The shrimp master general. I'm doing good. Um, pretty much this week was like the the last week. Got a couple. Got two garage sale weekends in a row. That's always always good. Uh. I got two great keychains. If if it, it, I already put up the garage sale gloat episode, and the picture actually has two of the things. It has uh, I got a, a 1983 Yoda keychain, and uh, it's funny because Yoda looks very like like um, samurai in it. He looks very you know that it looks. You know the way samurai when samurais are have the robes and they're sort of holding they have the sash and they're holding the robes 
at their waist with the sash and looking very just sort of like hmm that's yeah it's a very neat yoda and i got a keychain of um gizmo the mogwai Except, except he's like weird i don't know if he got faded by the sun he's like this li- like light orange and light yellow white color and his lips he has big pokey sort of lips and he looks kind of mad that mad set like frowny lips it's really strange like you know like an upside down clown lips but but poking out Huh. Very strange. He might be a bootleg Mogwai. But uh, that was pretty neat. And uh, I got an E.T. keychain that's just a bunch of little little cards with pictures from E.T. on it. Very oh, that's weird. cool. I was telling Chris beforehand that, of course, this will be two weeks by the time this episode comes out. But I'm very excited because I have cat sitting money, and on Wednesday, for the first time ever in the U.S., the Star Wars Rebels line of comics that were only distributed, I believe, in Germany, are coming to the U.S. for the first time, and it comes out on Wednesday, and I'm gonna go pick it up. I can't wait. I'm is so it excited. like a collection, or are they gonna start? Is mm-hmm. it gonna be like monthly? Uh, yeah, comics? it's 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 an anthology, so it's like oh, something cool. like 40 issues in a book. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm very excited. Oh, yes, yes. These are going to be in English. Um, And I've been I've I've read some of the translations online and stuff like that. And they're all so good. (laughs) And I'm very excited about them. You ever heard of Big Little Books? I, I believe so. They they were like you you'd still see them in comic book shops. They're not really comic books. They're they're like a little storybook, and but every other page is a is a picture, and they're usually about comic book characters or cartoon characters. And they're they're these little tiny, you know, they're smaller even than a digest size. And I was at a garage sale, and I found these ones. Are they're in Spanish, and I think they're actually like Spanish. I think they're actually from Spain and characters from spain and they're like four little tiny books but when i you know like those little novelty card sets for kids card games you know that you'll see sometimes like in uh grocery store toy aisle you know they're just they're sort of a like almost half size deck of cards this is a little box set of four books that are about that size you know they're a little bigger than they're bigger than matchbox and like one book is, a, is has a character named Don Pio, and then there's a g- guy named Gordito Rayano, and there's two Gordito Rayano books, and I know Gordito means fat man, and I'm not sure what Rayano means, but I know there's chili Rayanos, so I think it means maybe fried or something. And then there's one that looks like a little, like, um, little like uh, genius kid named Pitagorin. Il Sabio Infantil. I have no idea what they are, but they're great. And in the corner of them, they have a little, just like the big little books, they have a, they're, they're the same idea. They're a picture every other page and then te- a real simple story in Spanish. And up in the corner is a little flip book and you can flip it and see the character like running or doing something silly. That's cool. 
Those are neat. And I can't find them anywhere. I have no idea what they are or where they came from. But they're not quite as, they, they don't sound as, uh, as uh, sexy and hot as a gigantic uh, omnibus of uh, Rebels comics. I'm just, I'm so excited because I know there's like some Cala stories in it. There's some Grand Inquisitor stories in it. My grande boyfriend's in one. Um, and because like I've seen, I've read the translations for years and I, it's like something like issues like one through 37 because um, they ran in like Star Wars magazine, but they only ran in the magazine in, I, I believe it's Germany. And now are these uh, German artists who drew it for yeah. Germany? I, you know, I, I don't, I follow the artist, but now I can't remember who did it. Because, um, you know, now that I think about it, the, the comic, when Scott Gardner and I were in a uh, Disney comic, it was in, I, I want to say Sweden. It was either Sweden or Finland, wherever Jan Roman Pikula is. And if Jan Roman Pikula, if you listen to the show, um, sorry that I can't remember. Um, but he was, but like, they, he he said they specifically hired artists from you know when they can from the country that they're that they're draw you know they're gonna sell the comics in and uh, so they're like it that's kind of so it, I mean maybe Star Wars is following the same suit so because they're Disney that would be I really neat. I know one of the artists, because I follow him on Twitter, his name is Ingo Romling, and he does live in Berlin. Um, and he also did Star Wars Resistance Comics, which was a retelling of the first episode, and I love his artwork for Resistance. Um, so, yeah, like, I am... Ugh. I'm very excited about this. I've been waiting for years for this, and it's finally happening, and I'm just like, yes, please. <laughs> 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 I'm very, very, very excited to pick it up this weekend. So, but I am ready to get into this episode. Are you? Yes, but I'm. I'm uh, here to to say I I see the note that says we have to mention how we will handle Cara Dune. Yes, um, and I'm not going to go into it. So if you didn't, if if this is your first time here, um, we talked at length when we did the episode for sanctuary wasn't that one of our three hour episodes or something like that yeah something like that um so when we talked about sanctuary in mando season one we talked about gina carano and her anti-semitic views and her transphobic views and our thoughts about it which are not great we don't condone it um so i'm not gonna re we're not gonna rehash that here because we've already talked about it for like 30 40 minutes already but just so you guys know um, because we've already had a very long conversation about Gina Carano, when we're talking about the episode, we're just going to be talking about the character of Cara Dune as a character because we've already discussed Gina. But what I wanted to say is we also, in the episode Sanctuary, mentioned other podcasts that have either trans podcasters or Jewish podcasters. And they have talked from their point of view as Jewish and trans people about how Gina's rhetoric has affected them. And these shows are The Katana Cast, Sifty Minutes, Force Friends Rewatch, Rupalp's Pod Race, and Pink Milk Roundtables from 2020. <laughs> I love hearing the names of these podcasts. It's just, 
it's it's wonderful. It's you you know how I like to make up words like that or you know like I'm I'm dad I'm dad age at shit I'm grandpa age so I love those uh, uh I love it. Yeah. So I I was just checking out their episodes when it came to these Mando episodes because they are the people that Gino is essentially attacking. Um, but I I we're not going to talk about this again because we've already talked about it. But I'm going to mention this next week too as well when we get to Rosario Dawson. Um, because Rosario Dawson has her own issues with transphobia. Um, and yeah, part of the reason why the, the Jedi is a really difficult episode for me to watch. And one of the, the many reasons I'm not very excited for the Ahsoka series, which sucks because Ahsoka is my favorite Star Wars character, but we'll get to that. Um, but just so you know, in this episode, we're just going to be talking about Kara as a character and we'll save and cause, because we've already talked about Gina's bullshit. So that's where we are. And go check yeah. out those other shows, though. Uh, uh, excuse me. I was just Ooh, boy. Yeah, now. starting out strong. Starting out high Chris energy. I'm tired tonight. I'm ah. actually drinking mildly caffeinated tea, so I should be okay. I, I had guess. My, my coffee today, but I had it kind of earlier in the day, and I think that's why I'm I'm starting to come out of my caffeine. So I'm I'm kind of planning I want to be a little more awake tonight because I think before after we podcast, I think I'm gonna finally watch the last Better Call Saul. Ah, wrap it, all, wrap it all up. I I have a series that I've been sitting on, and it's been one of like my holes in animation that everyone is like this is one of the best animated series and the whole time like i, I finally have my hands on it because it's only one season it's gindy target tarikoski um and i've been wanting to see it for a while so i might start that tonight um and that's it, it's a series called symbiotic titan and it only ran for one series but apparently it's considered like one of gindy targetakovsky's like hidden gems because like he has like the big ones that he's popular for like yeah. samurai jack and like clone wars and stuff like that but like this is one that everybody's but he's like you need to watch this because it's really good um and it's sad that it's only one season so i, I might i might take a look at it tonight because i have it all downloaded and ready to go so but hey we're not there yet we're talking about the siege what do you think of this episode? It's okay. I feel the same way too. Like there's is, a so far, it's my least favorite of the series. It's yeah, of, of the not the series of the season so far. I I kind of feel the same way, only just because like there's only really about two moments that are like really big, like oh my god moments. But the rest of it is just pew pew action, which is just not my favorite thing in Star Wars. <laughs> but. Yeah, but but I I don't think it's a bad episode. It's no, fine. it's not. But it's after fine. the last the last three episodes were very thematic. You know, each one was a na- like the name of like you know the passenger and you know and uh, you know the the heir what was it the heiress and you know and they were yeah. all like all like ha- you know each each person that was named after the episode had like a little thing to add to din's story this is the first one that that breaks the theme and just is just sort of this this episode is is uh doing a lot of work for a lot of different things so yeah. it's it's scatter it's scattershot it's it's all it's it's a whole bunch of different things and it's not like 
this like carved and polished story like the first three have been like a lot of episodes of this are but not all of them so this is the first one that's sort of like more of more of a tv episode and less of a cinematic episode and it's it's almost like three kinds of different tv episodes too i my feelings about this one is i liked the bad batch episode infested more than i liked this one oh okay um yeah i don't know i don't know but we're 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 in the same sort of territory with with what kind of episode it is so for sure all right well you ready to get into it i am chapter 12 this siege is the 12th episode of the mandalorian it aired on november 20th 2020 it was written by john favreau and directed by carl weathers and this was also carl weathers directorial debut some extra information for you the super hot lady comms officer that works for Moff Gideon is played by Katie O'Brien. Her other works include Z Nation, Walking Dead, and Black Lightning. Also, if you want to hear a fantastic interview, our friends over on Pink Milk Podcast um, interviewed Katie. And it was Brian and Tom, and they interviewed Katie as well as Katie's wife. And Katie talked at length about the importance of being an LGBTQIA person working in star wars and it's just a really great interview you guys highly suggested and her wife is lovely and it was just a really good interview according to o'brien on the katana cast she auditioned with no knowledge of what the role was for with fake scripts being used for the audition itself as the as the production was allegedly extremely secretive she was cast for the role without being called back for another audition around a year prior to the release of chapter 12 the siege so the reason i put this note in here um this is an aside because i just yesterday watched star wars explained um, interviewed Christopher Sean, who was the voice of Kaz in Star Wars Resistance. Right. And Christopher essentially said the same thing, but for Star Wars Visions. They didn't even send him scripts. They were like, we have this super secret Star Wars project. Do you want it? We can tell you nothing about it. And Christopher was like, I'm in. Yeah, he, of course he was. Who's and, not going to call to that, you know, answer that call, you know? Yeah, and he was saying that like he got in there and they only had two hours of times. So, like like with resistance, they would send him scripts like the night before. And so he would read the scripts and then go in and they would have something like six hours. He got there, found out it was visions, watched the watched his part, but just his parts, he actually didn't he was in the village bride. He didn't actually see the entire shorts. He only got to see his parts. And recorded it and was done in two hours. And I was like, good lord, that sounds crazy. But like reading that note just reminded me of that interview with Christopher Sean. So it was really fun. Um, another fun side story. Oh, also, is- by the way, I as soon as I saw that Imperial officer, I'm like, oh man, hope is that's my type. <laughs> hope is gonna hope is gonna like this. Yeah, hope is just like <laughs> that's my type. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Arrest me, read me my rights. I don't care. Yep, 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 yep. I knew it. Oh. I knew. I knew I would be seeing some extra episode information of this type. 
god. <laughs> I, I love me a butch girl and she's evil. It's like perfect storm of like the kind of girl that Hope loves. Like, give it to me, man. Give it to me. I love her so much. Though I will like seriously, the, the interview she did with Pink Milk is so lovely, and her wife is adorable. Her wife is just like, I'm the Star Wars fan, and Katie's like, I know nothing about Star Wars. I did this for my wife. <laughs> Um, one fun side story, though, is Katie didn't film any scenes with Grogu, so she begged to see the puppet. And she finally got her wish and got to see Grogu's puppet and robotic doubles on set. And she would all, she said she also said that she would walk to the pace of the Imperial March, which she would sing to herself in her head while filming. Yeah. In the original, oh, shout out to this guy because I love this character and this was a really fun day on Twitter. In the original debut of the episode, while our heroes are attacking the base, in one shot, you could see a crew member in the background in jeans, t-shirts, and a bracelet behind the actors, and he was standing partially behind one of the walls. The internet had a field day over him, and some people even cosplayed the character in their homes. Sadly, the crew member was quickly edited out the episode, and he is now officially gone. Yeah, I'm sure there's copies. It's the internet. It still exists anyway for those who want it. I posted a picture of him on my Twitter today. because The same happened with Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah, like with the Starbucks cup left on the table or something. But it was just, I remember that day because, like, it's just a guy in a gray t-shirt, blue jeans, and he's wearing a bracelet. So people were taking photos of themselves, like, just partially, like, behind a wall and being like, I'm cosplaying the best new character of Mando. Like, I remember this day. It was so much fun. (laughs) And finally... This episode revealed the Dark Troopers. The Dark Trooper program was first mentioned in the Star Wars canon, uh, in the Star Wars canon, in the Dawn of the Rebellion, a 2018 source book for Star Wars role-playing games by Fantasy Flight Games. And it was originally created for the 1995 Star Wars Legends video game, Star Wars Dark Forces. Dark Troopers. Eh. I have zero feelings about the Dark Troopers, you guys. So if you're a Dark Troopers fan, I'm sorry you're not going to get it from me. <laughs> yeah. I have I have zero feelings about them. <laughs> I'm sorry. But if you love the Dark Troopers, please send us messages. I want to hear how and why and the reasons you love Dark Troopers. And maybe you can convince me. I like you... him in The Mandalorian, but that's the only thing I know him from, though. So. I Well, that's the thing. Like, I was like, ooh, they're going to be cool. They're going to be badass. And, like, Din fights one, and then they're all destroyed. I'm like, oh, they're kind of a nothing burger. Like, yeah. if, Luke, if Luke didn't show up the, and they were, like, ongoing, like, oh, my God, they're here, they're coming. Like, it, that'd be one thing, but, like, they're built up to be this big, cool thing, and then they don't really do anything except for one fight's done that's, that's okay I, I i don't mind that that's just sort of and because things like that aren't it's sort of like boba fett originally was like you know built up in the trailers and then it's like oh he just sort of like grabs Han solo and goes and that's his uh function in the, in the movie yeah. you know yeah so, yeah yeah you know who we also love and adore and want to know the reasons why and how you love him Everybody knows why and how. But yeah. Yoda can tell you even more ways how. How you doing today, Yoda? Not bad. 
you know, I, I've been want- thinking a lot about you, and I'm just very proud of you. And so the question today is based on something you told me a couple weeks ago. And I was just wondering, how is therapy going for you, Yoda? Have you discovered anything new about yourself? Good at first. Yoda's starting, not so happy now. Starting to get into like the deeper stuff, like the Clone Wars stuff. Yeah, therapist. Yeah. You not, know it. Not the hottest. Maybe not. Not low on midichlorians. Mind is easily manipulated. You're wait. No, you're not supposed to manipulate your therapist. That's why Yoda is at therapy. It is a. What Yoda calls a space catch twenty-two. No, that's that's not how therapy works. Yoda manipulates his therapist, but therapist is there to find out why Yoda manipulates people. Oh, oh no, no, oh god! And and jokes that only Charles would get. Cantopsi is rolling around in their grave right now. Oh my god! Why well, no? Then Yoda, the whole point of therapy is for them to help you discover new things and work on your problems. And if one of the problems is manipulating people and you're manipulating your therapist, you're not following the process. You know, yes. I was Yoda calls it the Yoda conundrum. Not following the process is part of Yoda's problem. Mm. I was going to give you some if, macaroons, if, but if I don't think you If Yoda could manipulate, if Yoda didn't manipulate and could follow the process, Yoda would not be in therapy. It is the Yoda conundrum. You know, I was going to give you some macaroons because... Macaroons? Yoda yes, likes macaroons. Well, that's fun because they're also Grogu's favorite. These were Grogu's favorite. No, wait, they were they they were Grogu's cookies, and I asked, and he said you could have some. So you're actually taking cookies away from him. No, I want to take them out of his hand. No. Oh, just as he's about to eat, Yoda goes, Yoink! Yoink! Grogu! No, that's so mean! He offered to give you some, because he's so nice! Grogu, you can have macaroon, too! Oh, no! Yoda's macaroon! Mmm, good! Good macaroon! Chris, I think Yoda's turning into a Sith Lord. Turning into? Yeah. Manipulating his therapist, stealing cookies from children. I think, I think... (laughs) That's some super Sith Lord stuff. (laughs) Can you imagine Palpatine in therapy? (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Palpatine in therapy... You will begin by eating your right forearm. Yes. I, Start with the fingers. I just imagine Palpatine and therapy being like that line from a very Potter musical where Voldemort is just like, you think that killing people would make them like you, but it just makes all your friends dead. I think I think though <laughs> seriously Palpatine would <laughs> would seriously he would he would take his therapy, you know, he would he would be he would be honest with his therapist and himself and then when it was all over he'd toss his therapist into a volcano because he knew too much that's what i think i want to thank you if i'm much more centered person and then ah! i would wow. actually read the heck out of that story of like palpatine's therapist 
Actually, like, what if, like, he's actually this, like, really chill dude that actually helps Palpatine and, like, knows all this stuff, and then, like, Vader comes in. He's like, oh, you're Vader. I'm sorry, Anakin? Do you go by Anakin? And, like, Vader's the one that kills them, and, like, Palpatine's like, do you know how hard it is to find a good therapist in Coruscant that's a cheap price? We don't have free health care. What the hell, Vader? That's what, that's what I'm saying. If you're a Sith Lord, you're at least going to manipulate your your therapist into lowering the price. Yeah, Yoda. Wait. <laughs> yeah, don't give him any ideas. Ugh, He's probably already done that. He's probably get, getting paid by his therapist. <laughs> the therapist is just like 600 years of trauma. We have so much to go through. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, the therapist is thinking, I got that income for the rest of my life. Well, are you ready to get into this? I'm ready. Act one. Let's do it. Act one. We open with Din's ship sucking. So if you, in the last episode, the Razor Crest was fixed up by an awesome sweater wearing Mon Calamari. And it's covered in duct tapes and nets. And the ship is just limping along, and he's trying to get to Cor- Corvus? Corvin? Corvinite? Corvinite's a Pokemon. He's trying to get to a planet where Zoktano is on, and it's just not gonna work. And part of this is he is making Grogu fix his ship, and he's like, Grogu, put the blue wire where the red wire goes, and Grogu's like, I'm a toddler, and like, shocks himself. And Den's like, oh, this is not working, and Grogu's like, ow, dad, that hurt, I... I shocked myself. Can we have dinner now? And Din's like, all right, come on out of there. And so so father and son sit down. They go to have dinner together. And, like, Din is, like, kind of taking off his mask. And every time he takes it off, like, Grogu's trying to peek up there like, Dad, are you really Pedro Pascal over there? Or are you a body double? Dad, what do you look like under there? And Den's like, nope, nope, you don't get to see my beautiful face. I could be a body double. Or I could be Pedro Pascal. You don't know. Um, and he's like, well, our ship sucks. And I can't get you to Ahsoka Tano right now. So uh, you want to go to Navarro? And Greg is like, yeah! Navarro's where Weep Karga is! Let's go! And then they start heading over to Navarro. Meanwhile, on Navarro, there's a den of scum and villainy full of people and they're being evil and you know they're evil because they're gonna eat a ferret and the ferret is like please don't eat me dear sir and they're like can you sing like in Fievel goes west in American tale and the ferret's like somewhere out there I don't know the rest of the words they're like nope you're dinner but before they can kill the ferret the puppet ferret which is a really rough puppet by the way <laughs> Cara Dune kicks in the door and she's like don't worry everybody i'm here don't or i guess don't worry ferret i'm here and she comes in and she beats up the bad guys and she punches in the face because apparently she's the marshal navarro and she's been doing that and the ferret is just like thank you nice lady she's like no problem citizen puppet have a good day and the spirit's like all right bye anyway so she beats up some people and saves the puppet Meanwhile, Din and Grogu land on Navarro, and they are meted, meted. They are met by, they are meted. They are met by Grief Karga and Gardoon. 
and they both land like when he lands, his ship is like essentially like hisses one last time and like falls over, and they're both like, "Ooh, what the fuck happened to your ship, dude?" And he's just like, "I don't want to talk about the spiders, or the New Republic, or the Mon Calamari, or the Frog Lady. It's been a really shitty week, you guys." They're like, y- "Yeah, okay, well." Hi, welcome back to Navarro. And Grief is like, I'm going to put my best guy on fixing your ship. My best guy is not sleazy at all. See, look at him. He looks great. He's not sleazy at all. He's great. And he's fine. And we'll get your ship fixed right up with no sleaze. And Den's like, why do you keep saying that he's not sleazy? And Grief's like, I don't know. It's probably for Act 3. And so they leave the two guys with the razor crest, and then Grief is just like, Hi, Grogu, give me the puppet! And, and Grief carries off Grogu, and then's just like, Ugh, What's up, Kara? How are you doing today? And she's like, I saved a ferret. He's like, Cool, let's go to town. And they go to town, and Navarro is like this new hopping place now. It's not gross, it's populated, it's getting more colorful, there's a lot of signs out, there are children, and you know it's a good place because it has a school. Because if we learned anything from the Cobb Vanth episode, the school is the most important thing. So they get to the school, and Grief Cargo's like, Come here, Grogu! And he plops him down in a chair. And Den's like, Oh my god, my child's gonna get education! Holy shit! I'm a real dad now! You be good, son, and get all A's! And Grogu's like, Okay! And instead of getting all A's, Grogu steals a child's macaroons? Because I guess that's what he does. And he looks at the child like, bitch, you should have shared. And like shoves a cookie in his mouth. And the kid, who's like five times bigger than Grogu, I don't know why he didn't just take his cookies back. But the kid's like, well, I guess I lost my cookies to a mascot. That's how it goes, I guess. Anyway, so they leave Grogu at the school. And all the adults decide to meet up with my boy, the Mithral, from episode one. And Mithral sees Den, and he's just like, Hey, Den! Remember when you put me in Carbonite? And Den's like, yep. Mithral's like, great! This is gonna be... gonna be a fun episode. You know, I work for Grief now, because I, you know, tried to steal from him and shit. And he's so nice. Only a little bit of shtishism. He only treats me like shit. But at least I work for him now. Please don't put me in Carbonite again. And Den's like, why, why are we all here? Because it turns out they need Mando for a job. Because Navarro is almost safe. Almost. They still have one little problem left. And that's one Imperial base nearby. And Grief and Kara... Well, I was about to say Mithral, but he's just kind of roped into it. But Grief and Cargo want to kick out the Imperials and finally free Navarro for good. And they want Mando's help. And because they're paying to repay his ship, he kind of has to. So, Den agrees, and it's time to go off to start another himbo mission for the ages. What did you think back to one? Not bad. It's, uh... Has some... It's... I mean, this this episode's all over the place. So this this first part's a little all over the place. You know, it's 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 has a comedic. My first note is, and Grogu is dead, where he's inside. You know, like 
but you know it's funny because they don't build it up like den is not like oh no you know you've electrocuted yourself you just he's just like oh geez kid or whatever but uh, um but it's you know kind of kind of laurel and hardy sort of comedy um and then we get uh the scene where Cara Dune comes in and beats everybody up, which has the the hilarious scene where I don't know what that race is the the bug faces. I think they I think they're Quillish. The I fer- think the ferret eaters, where the ferret eater where one of the ferret eaters gets up off the ground and just sort of stands there holding his gun but holding it to his side and just sort of waggling his arms around like kermit the frog used to do when he went yay and then she shoots him dead (laughs) but it's just like i'm like what planet that that's not a plan you make if you want to shoot somebody that's not a plan you make if you want to give up it's just like stand up and start like shaking and (laughs) and then get shot it was just really hilarious but that's this scene is is doing a little bit of a little bit of side work because it's uh it's 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 introducing care you know the her as the as the marshal which is you know at this point they're they're planning pretty much planning on this is going to be a show down the road that got canceled (laughs) featuring her and uh, but there it's sort of this scene is sort of just telling us hey the actress who plays this woman is is famous for kicking people's asses it's like when you have a wrestler or a martial artist in in your show you know like you have chuck norris in the show and you know they're gonna do a little kung fu and she's doing a little you know they did that doing, last she's week. doing some moves and doing her own stunts and beating the, you know doing doing you know planned out fight stuff to show you know action action star stuff which they- they did she's, that last week with Sasha Banks's character because she's a WWE wrestler. Um, but I do know that Sasha Banks um, used a lot of body body doubles because she could not get hurt because it would affect her wrestling career. Right. But um, they did the, essentially the same thing with her with like, hey, she's known for wrestling. So she's Amanda and she's going to kick a lot of ass. Right, right. So, so there's, you know. But that... But when you see it, you it, it just has that feel on like here's a spot you know we're we're showing you this and and uh, that's what this episode this you know this episode is the first like we're not doing a fully thematic episode. This is just it's it's sort of like the last it has elements of the last episode like you know the the, the ass kicking and the uh, and the sort of side quest story of like okay we got to go here but you know we need our ship fixed and to get our ship fixed we have to help you on your quest you know and then it becomes a self-contained story but this one's this one's more you know this one's like just doing a little bit of setup work and and doing a like okay we got to get the ship back in 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 order and uh the side the side quest does double duty because it adds a little bit a little bit to the plot you know but 
Um, my only other note is... I'm sorry, uh, I'm laughing because the automated food thing for the cats just went off. I'm like, two of them just like sprinted uh, over, just like, ah, food! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it made me laugh. What were you saying? Total Pavlovian experiment going on right under your nose. Um, my only other note is uh, they really go in heavy on Grogu's baby breathing in this episode. He's just... <laughs> 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 he's doing all the baby breathing in this episode so they're they're super super cuting him up in in the whole thing but you know it's 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 getting that feel of like okay we like hey you know hey shake hands hold the baby you know it's me grief grief remember me from season one and and now look at now she and everything you know there's there's a lot of exposition it, it gets very tv showy you know and so, up to this you... point we've been very cin very cinematic and like you know like tight you know a story in a tight three act thematic cinematically visual episode sort of like the first season too and then then you know you have so much budget and not that this show doesn't have a budget because but they use all the budget on on a few special you know key special effect sequences that need to look really good and do look really good but the the rest of it is very like tv show when we get into when we get into act two there's there's an almost it's almost like the TV version of something Star Wars to the point of where it gets almost comedic. But uh, yeah, that's all I, that's all I really got for for Act One. It's a yeah. it's a it's a nice little setup for for what's the rest of the story. So something I thought of as you were talking about Grogu's great mouth breathing. Thank you for that. That was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that. Early in season one, though, he was very quiet. Like, mm -hmm. he was constantly, like, watching stuff and watching Den, and he didn't make noises. And something, as you were saying that, I started realizing in Act 2, he's a lot more, or Act 2, Season 2, he's a lot more verbal. And yeah, you know what those sounds are that he's making? You know how they got those sounds? What? Those are the sounds of like the dollar bills just like getting sucked out of people's wallets as they every time you hear <laughs> that's just the collective noise of all the money being spent on Grogu figures. Yeah. But I I, I do kind of like that because it's showing that he's a yeah. lot more comfortable in his surroundings, especially with Den, because he is being more verbal. Like like when he like when the frog lady leaves, like he like comes over and he's just like brah, brah because he's trying to talk to Den. And here he's interacting with kids, he's interacting with grief, and he's verbalizing the best that he can. And compared to something like the first two episodes where Grogu is pretty much silent, except for the occasional, like, baby just noise. Burp. Yep, just a little blip every here and there. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice development for Grogu to show how comfortable he is around Den. Um... As for my notes, I know it's supposed to be this like cutesy comedic scene of Grogu working on the ship with Den, but I actually like that scene a lot. Um, 
it it kind of reminds me of like Dan is trying to teach him some skills, and I just find like find that scene very wholesome because it's them bonding together. He is trusting Gro. Well, he kind of has to like shove. He, Grogu I mean, Grogu fits in there, so yeah, yeah, he's stuck, but yeah. But I do like that scene because it's just them bonding, and and same thing with the scene of them eating. Because, of course, like now, like at this, when this episode first came out, we had no idea that we would see Din's face, not just once, but twice in the season. So, like, when Din just like slightly lifts his mouth to drink and like Grogu is looking under them, I remember essentially all the audience were trying to like look under there too because they were like, what does he look like? Um, And so I I like that little bit of foreshadowing of, like, the mask is starting to come loose. And I think that's a nice little checkpoint of, like, Din's character at this moment. I don't know if he would have done that around Grogu in season one, just openly ate around him. But he's doing it here and showing Din's continued, like, um, continuing to be comfortable around Grogu. And, like, we're starting to see, like, those layers peel off as audience members because he had to get his mask removed in season one so he would not die. But the point of the first few episodes were us challenging Den as a character. And, like, that mask is starting to come off a little bit easier every time. And to the point where we're going to get to, I think, three, two, two, three episodes, the Mayfield episode, where Den just fully takes off his mask because he has to. And then he has to take it. He takes it off willingly to say goodbye to Grogu. Um, so we're starting to see those layers come off of Den. So like the cult is falling away. And I, I just I really like this development with this character. Um, I also really love to see the development of Navarro because in season one, it was this ghost town. It was full of bounty hunters. The guild was there. The last remnants of the empire were there. And it was just this like gray, dusty, dreary place. And you come back this time and and something I I didn't mention, but like in the town square, there is a statue of IG-11. Um, and because he made that big sacrifice in season one. So like, I thought that was a nice nod, but they come here now and there's children and it's full of color and there's flags flying. And like, it's just done this complete 180 of just showing how this world is essentially coming back to life now that the empire and the bounty hunter guild are gone. And I just, I really like that development of seeing how the difference between Navarro and season one versus season two. Um, and the only other note I have is, it's kind of a sad note, but I kind of have to wonder if the last time Grogu was in a classroom was when he was a Jedi before. That's, or... that's what I, I've had the same thought. I'm like, is this really a good association with him? Because probably like... Like the Jedi Temple to someone like to a young child Jedi would be like basically like boarding school, you know, you would be basically at school. So like like it would basically be Hogwarts, you know, so does this remind him like you would think it might like be kind of a bad association because the last time he was there, like everybody was getting shot up. Yeah, and that makes me. He big was he was mad. involved in a mass shooting incident at his school, <laughs> literally, you know. And, and when you think about it, I mean, there's a reason they put the warnings on the Kenobi episodes because what happened in Texas happened the same week that those yeah. episodes dropped. So yeah. Hi, buddy. Sorry, I'm petting a cat. A cat came over. And was like, "Will you pet me?" 
My cat was up on my lap a minute ago, too. I I was telling Chris beforehand, I felt so bad because this cat, Leonard, really, like, wanted to play. And I was playing with him about 30 minutes before we started recording. And then I was like, all right, buddy, I got to stop now. And he just, like, sat across from me for a good 10 minutes staring at me. haven't, Haven't you known Leonard enough, long enough that you can call him Lenny by now, though? Lenny? Lenny. Or Len. I don't know if he's a Len or a Lenny. He likes to sit on feet and smell shoes. (laughs) Uh, Cats like that stuff, yeah. Yeah. Mine isn't really into it, but she will always give my toes a check when (laughs) she's walking by. But that's all I really have for Act 1. I don't really have anything else. Like, I think... I don't have the most notes for this episode. Well, like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, just like this, the, a lot of this is sort of like the act one is pretty much like them laying out the story. So like when you do a synopsis of it, it pretty much lays out what happens. You know, there's there's not a lot to. And in an episode like this, honestly, it's just like a bunch of cool yeah. shit's happening cool like there's not a lot of character stuff in this episode so the story is advanced but it's just sort of it's just it's in it's secondary to like what happens in this episode but it's there so you have so you have some because these are short seasons so you know i i feel like if because because take something like um the mayfield episode of season one that was on the surface, it felt like just an adventure of the week episode. But now, like, we've had, like, more stuff with Mayfield. We've had, like, more of season two and stuff like that. And I bet this episode would have more impact if we did eventually get the Cara Dune episode for us to go back and look at this. But, of course, that show is now canceled. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I, this one right. has kind of, like, the opposite well, effect where those those episodes got better because of the stuff that came after it. Um, the Boba Fett stuff, like the the Cobb Vanth episode, was better because of the Book of Boba Fett. But this doesn't have that because the, the, the it ca- got cut the off. Ca- Cara Dune stuff got cut off. It's going to be like a sort of longer version of uh, in Star Trek. There was an episode called, I believe it was called Assignment Earth, and the episode was basically about like this guy and his cat, who's like sometimes a woman. And he's some sort of time traveler, interdimensional guy there to like, you know, observe Earth and and you know make sure certain events go a certain way. And the the Enterprise, he's in modern, at the time sixties Earth, and the Enterprise time travels back and runs afoul. Terry Gar's in it, and and they were set. They were trying to set up a. A TV show. So the show's mostly about him. It's introducing him and it follows him through most of the episode. And it never went anywhere beyond that. So it's just this weird episode of Star Trek where the cast and crew of Star Trek are really like about a third of the show, you know. <laughs> and the rest of it is this guy Gary Seven and his his secretary who's an Earth woman that he hires and their story. And they're all getting set up, and then you never ever see them again. You know, I um, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and do one of my Act Three notes because it's essentially this. Um, one of the Act Three notes I have because you know Den checks out and flies off to get Grogu, so a good chunk of Act Three is just Grief, Mithril, and Kara all by themselves. Right. And I wrote the question: Are these three enough to carry a third of the episode? 
it, but it's because of what we we're saying. Like this was supposed to be kind of a backdoor pilot for mm-hmm. them to have their own show. Um, and it just didn't work out that way. So I, it, it's, it's a, it's a strange situation. Um, honestly, and I'll talk more about this in act three. I'm a very big fan of recasting. Um, I saw, yeah. Mich- I saw Michelle Rodriguez in the Dungeons and Dragons trailer and my jaw dropped and went, Oh my God, she would be an excellent Cara Dune. Like if they can recast a whole Hulk and a whole war machine, like why can't they recast Cara Dune? Oh wait, because the shitty fans would lose their minds. Let them cry. <laughs> in in a 10 year period, there were three different Hulks played by three different actors in three different movies, you know? So yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm very much uh, in favor and I feel the same way about Luke Skywalker. Like I am not a fan of deep, deep fake Luke. Like I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much, especially cause like the body double for Luke in that episode looks so much like Mark Hamill, like a young Mark Hamill. Well, and I'm just like, please just recast these characters. Like, like yeah. Alden did so good as Han. Like he was not the problem of that movie. Um, and I just I wish they would like stop with the deep fakes and just recast it. Like well, I I really like Michelle Rodriguez as as an idea for Cara Dune because she was excellent in the D and D trailer and she was essentially doing everything that Cara is doing in this well, episode. Can I say can I say this about the um is it Gina Carano? Carano. Gina Carano. I I mean she's not a bad actress but she's not an especially like she's not charismatic she's not a, actress she's not a and, very good actress and as an action actress she's she's good but she's not great but 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 she's just she was just starting as as an actress and whatever and i could see her totally getting to like lucy lucy lawless level of like being a or or like even like schwarzenegger who actually became a good actor just he had to work within his style and stuff but she wasn't setting the screen on fire. You know what I mean? She wasn't really like, like in this episode, especially like she, she made more of an impression when she first showed up in the in the Mandalorian. And, uh, and, and this one, they were really like setting up the show and it. And, and the thing about it, I don't think it's that unusual that something happens with an actor or actress that's going to lead a show and then they have to stop or whatever that that stuff happens and she's you know this is disney so if you do anything sketchy you know and like i mean once you start hitting stuff like transphobia and and anti-semitism but anyway that's beside the point you know but now now i don't remember where i'm going but oh yeah yeah but i don't think it's super unusual that like something like that happened that uh, uh, one of the actors or actresses turned out to be unpredictable and I think like we remember they they had all this they had all this stuff planned and I'll bet you when they had it planned they planned so much stuff because they know just the laws of of filmmaking thermodynamics means a couple of these aren't going to make it you know (laughs) I mean, some of, some of them were going to get close to it and go like, I don't know if this one's going to really work or it's, you know, we're not really getting anywhere with casting or or our lead character, you know, says something that makes the public hate them. And 
you know, and is causing trouble or whatever. So I think, you know, all the shows, if the, all the shows got made great and they all did well, great, but they were also maybe thinking, you know, we got a bit of, we got like a little, little fat in here to give us a little, you know, breathing room in case for, for the inevitable something to go. When you're doing a lot of things, something's probably going to go wrong somewhere, you know? Yeah. And of um... all the stuff that they were developing, that one wasn't one of the most like intriguing ideas. Not that it couldn't have been a fantastic show, but it was just sort of, it was, it was just sort of a genre take on it. It wasn't like a, something that felt like it was, you know, of a key universe. It sounded like a fun, you know, like Western frontier show. I say just give it to the actor that plays Carson Teva, like the New Republic guy. Like, I, I think he's great, and mm-hmm. I would love to see him. Like, or give it to Cop Vanth. Like, let Cop Vanth have the show. Like, there's a lot of other ways oh, about yeah. it. Oh, or just yeah. recast Gina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that, that guy, he's a great character because he's just kind of dumpy and lumpy and just a guy who got hired, you know, in his job. You know, he's not a dashing character. When he was walking away in his X-Wing uniform, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's got like dumpy, you know, middle-aged guy dumpy butt, you know, as he's walking away. And I'm like, this is great. He's sort of disheveled like um like you know a a detective or something you know he's he's not the most he's not like i am really into being this he's just so he's like a mailman almost it's it's a it's i i have a feeling he would have been just a fantastic character and that's the thing is you could probably build it around him that's i would love it i would love it because then we would actually like one thing that's kind of missing in all this, it, and I'm, I'm definitely talking about this in Act 3, so this is kind of like a setup for that, was we don't really know about much about what's going on in the New Republic side of things. Like, we get a little bit of yeah. resistance. We get hints here and there in Mando and Book of Boba Fett. But he has a line in Act 3, and I'll talk about it when we get there. Um, but, like, having a show from his point of view of just, like, this guy out in the Outer Rim with no support from the New Republic, which is supposed to be, like, the people in charge, would be a really good view of how and why the New Republic fell. And I will get way more into that in Act 3. But, yeah, I, I would love a show about Carson Teva. So, anyway, anything else about Act 1? Are you ready to get into Act 2? I'm ready for Act 2. <sighs> this cat I have to more stuff to him. say on Act 2 and Act 3 than Act 1, so... This cat wants me to play with him so bad. He's just like rolling on my feet. Like, why are you not playing with me? You need to stick with a string and a ball at the end of it. So you can just like talk and just. That's his favorite toy. It's about a four foot long stick. They got out of the wood with a string attached to it. Like, yeah. And, uh, but it's just, uh, yeah, I'm doing stuff. I would be way too distracted. So (laughs) he's just going to have to put up with it. So I'm sorry, Leonard. You're very cute though. All right. Act two. Act two. It's off to adventure, and our heroes are speeding through the lava, I was about to say the desert, but the lava pits of Navarro to get to the Imperial base. And when they get there, they're just like, all right, here's the plan. It's very simple. We're going to go in and overload the reactor and get out. And Din's like, 
cool. This plan sounds like a plan I'd come up with. Simple, because I'm a himbo. And they're like, awesome, we're all on board. And so they get there, and they're driving, like, the Mithril's car, and the Mithril's like, I'm here too. And the door is partially melted, so Mithril is like, I guess I'll cut out, cut it open with my plumbing torch, because that's a thing. And he starts cutting it open, and Den's like, I'll be right back. And Den flies on out of there, because he's got a jetpack now. And he beats up some stormtroopers and opens the door for them. And they're like, cool. We didn't even need the Mithral. And Mithral's like, awesome. I'm going to stay with the car. Because you guys told me specifically, keep the getaway speeder running. And they're like, you know what? We're not going to do that. Come on the adventure with us. And he's like, I hate all of you. So he gets roped into the adventure, even though they were the ones that were like, we need a getaway car. And then they just abandoned that plan because our heroes are dumbasses. Anyway, turns out this base does not have a skeleton crew like they thought. In fact, it has a lot of stormtroopers that they gotta sneak around. So there's a lot of sneak, sneak, sneaking around. And they start taking out cameras and they get to the main room that has one whole Imperial guy in it. And they knock him out, and they get his little code cylinder, which is a thing from Rebels. And they're like, cool, let's go. And then they sneak around some more. And there's stormtroopers walking around, and they're like, hide. And they hide from the stormtroopers, and then they sneak some more. It's the last, it's like four minutes of sneaking. And they finally get to the reactor. And it actually has one of my favorite parts where the Mithril is like, there's no guardrails. What the fuck is wrong with these Imperial people? Where's Osha? And they're like, do you think Palpatine's into Osha? And he's like, well, he should have been or else he wouldn't have died. And Mithril has to go out on the reactor edge that's over a lava pit and do the dirty work for the humans who just stand there and watch him. And he gets on out there and he shuts off the coolant system. And they got like... 10 minutes to get out of there and it's time to run and as they're running the alarms start going off and for a brief moment there used to be a nice crew member standing in the background and he was digitally edited out and I will always miss you crew member you had a good week on Twitter and alarms are going off and stormtroopers are tr- coming out everywhere so they're like alright we gotta go out a different way because uh, this way is blocked off and they open the door and there's some scientists trying to get their stuff and their shit because the reactor's gonna blow up and they're trying to get out of there but when the scientists see our heroes they're just like fuck destroy everything and you know it's important because these scientists choose to destroy their work over saving their own lives And that's because they both die and blow up the panel because when our heroes walk in, they look up and there's a bunch of tubes of what can only be described as pickled snokes in the room. A bunch of pickled snokes are in the room and this is not a military base. It is a secret cloning facility. And they're all just standing there like, oh, well, this shit just got real. Hope those are called snokels. Snickles. Snickles. Snickles is better. Snickles sounds too. It sounds too nice. It sounds too much like snow cones. Pickled Snickles. I like Snickle. Pickles. Pickle Snickles. Pickle Snickles. So they're like, oh, look at all the Snickles. And they're like, wow, this sucks. And the Mithril is like, hey, there's a Skype message here. So he turns it on and he starts playing Skype. And it's 
wonderful Dr. Pershing from season one. Remember him? He was the nice guy who tried to save Grogu's life and like gave the child over to Din and kicked off this whole adventure. And Dr. Pershing is just like, so the test subject died. And that's because we don't have our M count donor. You know, Grogu, the little frog guy that got taken from us. Um, so I don't think without him that we'll be able to do many more experiments because we don't have a lot of force users. Inquisitors, good job. The Inquisitors did their job very well, and that's why we're we're running into all these snags. But until we get another donor, that's all we got. Dr. Pershing, out. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, 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 also, Dr. Uh, Dr. Pershing turns it back on. He's like, there you go, Moff Gideon. I know you're still alive. And Din's like, Moff Gideon is still alive? And they're like, yeah. Didn't you see, like, the end credit sequence of the, the last episode of season one? And Din's like, no, of course I didn't. Shit, I gotta go find my child. And they're like, all right, Din, you go save your son, and we're gonna take over the last third of this episode. And Din like, is way too himbo to sit through the credits. That's true. I mean, we already established he didn't watch Clone Wars, so <laughs> they're like, all right, Din, we'll take over the last third of the episode. And he's like, all right, side characters that are supposed to get your own show, but that didn't have fun in the last third, and Din splits up to jetpack, to jet, jetpack back. To Groku, trying to say jetpack back is really hard to say. While Grief, Kara, and Mithril take over Act Three. What'd you think of Act Two? I really liked it. I, I, I like I like Act Two and Act Three a lot better. I, I, there's, there, I mean, there's there's parts of this that are like really cheesy. I but you you know me, I enjoy when it gets cheesy. This episode sort of. Like I consume episodes like this almost like I would consume a really good Star Wars comic, you know. It it has that that feel to it, you know. The 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 lower budget ones always do, but there's I mean there's they, they there's always just so much thought put into it. Like, you know, we see you know this guy's got sort of it's more of like a sedan type of you know land speeder. It's just you know, and it's like his probably his like, I like this car. It's got some good torque under the engine and stuff. And now we got to go drive through the lava. And I'm surprised. <laughs> actually, it's a low budget episode. So we didn't actually they they didn't like like I could have seen if they, they had like a twice the budget on this, that when they in act three, when they're leaving, you know, that they would be also racing a river of lava coming down behind them you know, or something like that. If it was a movie, that would be the added, you know, and maybe they, they had this all, that option in there because they were like, you know, well, we'll see what we can afford when we get there. If not, they yeah, don't. Yeah, I mean, they blow up the base and lava comes out of it and then that's it. But um, we got, to, like, now we're getting things that are happening over and over again. So, and I, I also like those running themes, even the cheesy running themes. And this has a, a serious running theme, which is suicidal. This is the second episode in a row with Imperials who are like, well, <laughs> and so the end is near. <laughs> and, the, and instead of just being like, why? And dying because, you know, what the hell? I'm about to die. Who cares? They're like, 
the, these guys are like, take out the info. The last one was like, I'm going to scuttle this ship and, you know, shoot mm-hmm. the young guys who want to live. So you're getting the, you know, the, 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 that feel that the Imperials that left are the true, like, cultist, Crazy you know, they're, people, they're, yeah. they're, they're closer to on the pal in the Palpatine orbit. So they're more just like, he must. It makes me actually wonder if Dr. Yes. Uh, I was just going to say, it makes me wonder if Dr. Pershing is actually closer to like a Galen Urso kind of character from Rogue One, where he honestly just wanted to do science, but they were like, oh, your science yeah, can make yeah. us a super laser. He, cool. He knows how to, yeah, he knows how to do something. And he's probably in a similar, um, now I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the, um, of, uh, the Kaminoan. Oh, uh, Nalase. Nalase. He's probably sort of similar to Nalase, but maybe more humanistic, you know, he, and where he was like, he's really good at what he does. And they're just like, now you're going to do this. And he's like, I don't want to suck the blood from a baby. And they're like, would you rather die in a lava pit? And he goes, would you have a baby? I can suck the blood from it. Yeah. And that, and, and like hoping to, you know, for the, you know, hope it, you know, probably telling himself if I stay here, maybe I can make sure no, you know, I can, you know, do something good at some point or something. He seems to have some sort of conscience. Mm-hmm. So as a as a character, he he doesn't seem like he's eager to please Palpatine as much as he is just like I gotta make sure this guy doesn't kill me, you know. You know, um, that's kind of similar to one of my Act Two notes. So let's let's talk about the Snickles. Um, what it, one of the things I like I do like about this episode that has helped is Bad Batch because. We were discussing with Nala Say, and like there's the one episode where Cad Bane and Finnick Shan are chasing, um, um, what's her name, Omega, um, around the place with the pickled Kaminoans. And of course, like Bad Batch season one ends with the medical officer that has essentially the same uniform as Dr. Pershing. So I think that's something that this episode does really well is connect to the Bad Batch and showing the connections of like, this has been going on for a while. It's not a new thing, but it also is nice. Like between bad batch and this episode, it's nice set up for the sequel trilogy of like how they cloned Palpatine and why they got there. They're both, both of them are, they're pointing to each other and they're both pointing forward into that. They're saying, okay, here's, here's some of, some of the, you know, versions of some of the stuff you're going to see in that, last unnamed movie that nobody liked but maybe you know so maybe so i'll be able to watch that movie and it will make parts of it will have more resonance as i watched it i mean that's essentially what clone wars did for the prequels yeah yeah but like there was nothing in the prequels to to of just that was just like the prequels you know, for all their faults, he had he had his story planned out, you know, and so like everything falls falls together for the sake of the story, whereas the last the last sequel movie is just sort of like, yeah, let's just tie everything up and put aside some side quests, you know, a run running series of side quests and then just wrap up the main story with these these couple of characters and get it get it over with 
but it had uh, had to do a lot of footwork to do there and in that footwork is a lot of interesting ideas but they're sort of background ideas for the they're not inherent in the movie but they could be you anything with palpate anything with you know the thing about palpy is with palpy anything's possible (laughs) (laughs) and and even in this movie where people are like oh well somehow palpatine's back it's more how they handled it that was awkward rather than the fact that he's back because I'm fine with him being back. So like all the backstory of to how to the to from that stupid line of like, well, somehow he's back. If you can make a neat story of how that all happened, that's very interesting to me, you know, or just how or just how the First Order formed in the layers of the. And instead of like the empire, which was just sort of one thing and the like secret goings on were like Vader and 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 Palpy and and the Empire just sort of existed where the the first order seems to be like a combination of it's you know, it's more of a cult. So everything is more like tied to like you know, the Emperor was just the Emperor to everybody but Vader. Nobody you know, they weren't like we're following our Sith Lord Master, you know, the the Imperials in in the in the original trilogy. But this one, they're more like, you know, they're more like ah, Cthulhu bids that we, you know, do this and that. So that's very interesting to me, too. So anything, anything in that direction is going to be fascinating for me to watch. That's the stuff that really, like, grabs me from that. So that's true, because, like, when it comes to Clone Wars, Something that it did was it just took what was already on the prequels and just enhanced them. But when it comes to shows like Mando, Book of Boba Fett, Bad Batch, and Resistance, it almost feels like it's plugging plot holes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. And so they do feel like very different shows. There was a little bit of sort of plugging plot hole stuff here and there in Clone Wars, but Clone Wars mostly like what it did was it just built characters who, you know, we got a sketch of in the prequels and, Mm -hmm. you know, had had some some hinky dialogue and and stuff like that. So we didn't really get like in-depth character studies of any of them. You know, we just had to get. Except for maybe Anakin. I would argue Anakin because it well, really Anakin, did flesh out his downfall. All, you know, Anakin most of all, and he was the most maligned by like fandom and stuff as a character. And then the, I mean, people like Obi-Wan wasn't like a fleshed out character, but Ewan McGregor's portrayal of him had a real energy to it, you know, whereas Anakin's not as much until the third mo- movie and only till the at the end. And but, you know, Clone Wars made him into an appealing character that you got to know, you know, you got to know him through the Clone Wars and were familiar with him. And that is a huge. That's a huge step, you know, that's a that's a huge that's a huge thing because you can't watch the prequels the same after that, you know, because it, it. it it really dri- like knowing Anakin in that way drives home stuff, and this is stuff that like Filoni did afterwards. But the scene, you know, 
anytime after Clone Wars, even though, you know, it was episode three, and even though we all know it's Anakin under the Darth Vader mask, and but in episode three, we've known Anakin since he was a little kid. So we know that after that, you know, that in in the sequel trilogies, that's Anakin under the mask and stuff. But after Clone Wars really drove it home, you know, to where when you watch Darth Vader, you're thinking that's or he'll say something. You'd be like, yeah, that's something Anakin would say, <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, and that's and that's the main thing that it did. And that's a huge thing where this. This one, there's some, you know, there's some serious bandit bandaging to do on plot stuff, but that's okay. I'm okay with the, if that's what they have to bandage, as long as they do it like, well, it can only improve things, you know? Yeah, like this, this is not a complaint. I, I'm, I'm not right. complaining that this is doing a lot of like work for the sequel trilogies. I mean, um, I think some of the juiciest Star Wars is the, oh, Star Wars, oh, any kind of like, you know, pure evil Sith stuff is, is it's campy and it's also gr- just great fun. And there's never, you should never have too much of it, but there's almost never enough of it. So I'm, yeah. Yeah. Bring it, to, are... bring me the, the, the Snickles. But I did interrupt you with the Snickles. So what were the rest of your notes for this act? All right, so so my first trope that's that's developing is the suicidal Imperials. The second one is, I'm going to call it speeder chatting, where you're you're in a speeder. This time they're in a big, <laughs> you know, sedan speeder that's like, and when you see long shots of it, it's like, Gong! and and they're going through, you know, basically a tunnel. So the their sound should be echoing on either you know from either side of them so it should you know that you should be basically like you're on a riding mower or something you know and they're just like oh so so when we get there blah 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 blah. so i that's becoming a trope that i'm just enjoying and uh um there there's there's a, a scene the scene of them going there in the speeder they just go nuts with the wipes wipe wipe to almost the point where it was almost like airplane like where you know the movie airplane the like you know um or maybe i should say like scary movie you know a parody movie it was almost like parody it was you know you'd see them going one way and then a wipe and then you'd see them going the we're traveling um just two cool cool things is uh when uh he jets out that look to go back to get the kid it's just the last few episodes that well ever since he's got the jetpack the jetpack flying is really cool looking yeah it has a has a very um visceral feel to it so i i love that and my other uh, only other line is we've got the most himbo moment ever in this one when they see the i think it's with just when they see the imperial base and din actually does his keanu reeves and goes whoa <laughs> and i'm like did he just say whoa and i backed it up and i'm like he just said whoa <laughs> <laughs> dude that's a base 
it's well, all we went, about that base, we no trouble. We went to the grocery store the other day, and it's obviously like the college kids are are have, are moving in, and it was it was probably it was like nine thirty on a Sunday night, and it was all like college age kids, and there were literally two jock himbo guys out, you know, like dude, let's go get stuff for the fridge. And they would walk in that we were on sort of like a parallel route where I'd be going one way and we'd always cross going by. And I never heard or understood a word they said. I just heard like, <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was pure him, pure himbo talk. <laughs> Him, himbanese they were speaking pure himbanese it was amazing yeah that's all i got for part two though whoa um the only other thing i had about the snickles um that i wanted to add was in that scene as dr pershing's message is playing it zooms in slowly on den and this is den watching the man who experimental experimented on his son and the scene is so good because we can't see din's face but the way it's shot the way the music is the slow pan of the camera you can just feel the horror of that moment and just assume what's on his face and it's just a really great shot yeah well the like i was thinking about it and it for and the way the way that pershing sing played out was because at first I'm thinking, like, the obvious thing is, like, you know, let we go pure, like, direct Palpatine wants midichlorian blood. <laughs> Keeps him young, so you just inject it straight into the neck. Ah, I like it. Good. <laughs> feels good. But, it, but then the way that he was talking about it is, like, the subjects, you know, the subjects couldn't handle the midichlorians and died and stuff like that. So it basically sounds like that, like Palpatine needed had either other Palpatines or Snokes that he was going to use, and they need that the, since they're just lifeless husks, cloned up husks. That they, they're probably maybe cloned up to be a little like stronger in whatever cellular level that midichlorians function at. And uh, but then you have to pump them full of you have to give them transfusions of midichlorians for them to have uh, be able for Palpatine when Palpatine gets in him, he has to be able to use use the force. So he needs midichlorians in the body. They're sort of, you know, the the saline solution and that carries the electricity or whatever or generates it or how however the hell it works. But that's that's what I sort of pieced together from it, that they like either the Snokes or other Palpies were they were like, we got the body ready. We got the blood. Let's give them the midichlorians. And then they would just go have a giant space stroke and 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 crap out. So they hadn't hadn't built any that were strong enough. You know, that might explain like Snoke's like split head that was like all like, you know, healed, but it split, you know, he'd the 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 midichlorian transfusion like split his head and stuff and they'd had to sew him back together, but he survived. Then mm-hmm. Palpy could jump into him. Yeah, um, but I just thought that was a really great scene. 
Yes. Um, something I did find interesting, um, and I'm kind of mixing about this too because they set up the situation that Mithril stole from Grief, which is why Grief is very mean towards him. But we don't often see speciesism on screen. Like, we have it in, like, the books. Like, the Thrawn book is a very big example of, like, Thrawn in the Imperial Academy. And people just treat him like shit because he's an alien. But it's it's interesting in this episode because they're mean because he stole from Greece and he, grief and he owes grief. But, like, even Kara and Den are kind of, like, shitty towards Mithral. And which when and that's the part that I find interesting. Like grief, I understand, but like we don't often see speciesism on Star Wars screens. And we have a few examples. Like I remember the Waxer and Boyle episode of Clone Wars, where they're like, "We don't want to go help the Tailhead Twi'leks," um, and of course, Trandoshans and Wookies do not like each other. Um, but I, I just thought it was interesting that they made the choice. Like grief is understandable because of the setup. But I, I just thought it was interesting that both Kara and Den were also kind of shitty towards Mithril. And I, I don't really have like a like a point that I'm making, but I just found it yeah. interesting as a choice. It's borderline species. Because like I actually have a like that his 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 situation totally like I have a, a parallel thing that I can relate that to from a place that I worked with worked at that was a catering place. And we had this in, in po- literally impossibly like we're talking like 10,000 sandwiches the next morning that had to be wrapped and put in a in a in a refrigerator truck and taken to Woodstock 99 or what, you know, one of the, the, the first like new 90s Woodstock, uh, you know, they a last minute order of like all these sandwiches and you know, just the, the standard crew at the restaurant. She's like, well, I, I have to call in some ex-employees. And she calls in this guy who had gotten fired because he kept getting caught stealing. Like, hand. She, I caught him with his hand in the till. So, you know, watch, you know, watch out because he'll, you know, I caught him like three times stealing from me. But when I say that this guy was like a sandwich magician, he came out with a loaf of bread balanced, you know, white bread balanced down his arm and started flipping him onto the table and just threw, you know, a, a perfect, you know, the bread all next to each other and then just started throwing the meat on the bread and just was like whipping stuff down and making the sandwich, you know, one, you know, mass, you know, the table probably held like 50 or 60 sandwiches, you know, pieces of bread on it and, and, all of a sudden, you know, we had 60 sandwiches in like th- four minutes or something like that, you know, and then he's like <laughs> going over it with mayonnaise and boom, sandwiches are done. You guys are wrapping and uh, and all the employees that well, we were employees, too, but we didn't know the guy. He had gotten in trouble before. We'd never met him before this day. So we were being nice to him and he was a friendly enough guy and stuff. But everybody else there was treating him like shit, very much like they do in this. Just like, yeah, whatever, dude, you know, get over there and do that. And just like just like the character in this, he it didn't it didn't he just he or he didn't seem to be bothered by it. He just was just like go you know, going about his his business and like but like 
to my friend and I who didn't know him and weren't, we weren't being mean to him. We were we, like, he immediately took over and we're like taking orders from him. So like, you know, <laughs> he was, if, if you're going to be nice to him, he'll, he'll start bossing you around. But everybody else was just like mean to him. And he was just like, okay, I'll do my job. And like, and and they were they were using him, you know, and he was using them to get and I'm sure he got a lot of money for coming in and working overnight. And uh, and but no, but neither of them, you know, he's he probably just didn't like her. And she had there was plenty of reasons not to like her and she didn't trust him, but they needed each other. And they're just in the state. And I think the and the Mithral also like is probably like really good at that job, too. So they're like, well. And it's just this, but like, it's the the only thing that's like specious seeming to me is that they refer to him as the Mithral. You know, yeah, he still doesn't have a name at the time of this recording. But maybe maybe his name is like you know a series of sounds that he hisses out from the his side gills there or something. So they just call him the Mithral and stuff. And or maybe maybe something in Mithral culture. That's if you're the lone Mithral around, you're called the Mithral, or maybe they all call themselves the Mithral or something, and they, you know, he's the Mithral <laughs> or something. Who knows? But yeah, yeah it's that's that's the only thing that's kind of weird, you know. But then again, there's also people who are always like, you know, the Wookie. You know, whenever there's a Wookie around, a lot of people just refer to him as the Wookie. I mean, honestly, like. Frog lady still doesn't have a name, and neither right. does her husband. So, like, it, it is a thing, and like, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was a little interesting. Like, grief, I could understand, but like, Din and Kara was the ones that were kind of perplexed me. Um, the only other note I have is I love the piece of dialogue about no guardrails because, of course, Palpatine does not fucking care about OSHA regulations. Weeds and- out the weak. Yeah, and it actually reminded me, um, it was a joke comic, and I don't know if it was, I, I remember seeing the page, and I sent it to Megan, um, but so I don't know if it was from anything, or if it was um, a fan comic or not, so I, if somebody knows this, please let me know, because I would love to know about it, but there's a joke comic floating around of Palpatine sitting in a board meeting with, like, Tarkin and Vader and, like, all the higher-ups, and they're like, sir, what about guardrails? Like we're we're violating like safety protocols. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. He's like, wait, wait, make sure you put them in the Death Star because if my throne is gonna be over a giant pit, I don't want to get thrown down that. And he like stares at Vader, and Vader has his face of like, what? <laughs> and so like that that I I have just this ongoing joke with Megan about like the OSHA violations of the empire. So like the when I every time I hear that guardrail line it makes me cackle because I just think it's so dang funny. <laughs> I will make the OSHA regulations legal. Violations legal? As this episode 1 they're like is that legal? I will make it legal. <laughs> Try it's just like bring me. OSHA to me. <laughs> Bring space OSHA to me. Space OSHA. But that's all I have for too. So are you ready Spocia. to are you ready to blow the sucker up? I am. I'm ready to yep. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what needs what would get wrapped up in this episode, but there's well we could yeah, we could uh wrap up the cookies. Uh no, no, um no, it it actually is is we actually have a creature this episode. That the that ferret? little uh 
the ferret creature, we can wrap this ferret up. And send him on his way, because he's a weird-looking puppet. He's um, a, he, I like him. He's a ratty Muppet. And, and like, I, like, I love that when he first betray, befriends Cara Dune, he is definitely a puppet. A pu- I'm like, okay, how are they doing? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, they can put a guy in a green seat suit with a, with a ferret at the end of his arm. And like, I'm thinking this is, this is a, a puppeteer with a ferret on the end of his arm, like climbing up Gina, Gina Carano and like, <laughs> kissing her face and stuff. And she's just like, yeah, uh... it, it's, it, and I'm like, this is awesome. And this is downright Muppety, you know, it's, it's great. And it, and it wouldn't have been as funny or effective if it was just like a, a CG, you know, a perfectly smooth CG character. I love it. I like. Yeah, because like you can actually ferret. see it like push into her cheek. Like it leaves a yeah a imprint on her cheek. Yeah, so. no, it's a, it's a little rubbery in its movements and and stuff, almost purposely so, and it it I, it adds to it. I don't know. It's just great. Yeah. So act three. Yeah, we'll wrap this ferret up. We'll act. ferret out the ending of this episode. Act three. So the alarms are going going off, the place is going to blow, and stormtroopers are coming in, and Din has left the hero group. So it's up to Grief, uh, Kara, and Mithril to get the heckin' heck out of there. And Din is just like, bye bitches, and he like zooms out of there to go find his kid. And stormtroopers are like, pouring out the stormtrooper buckets and they're like there they are so it's a lot of like run 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 and like pew 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 pews and they're all just like ah and the stormtroopers are like ah and they're like we're gonna kill you and the stormtroopers are like probably yeah and so yeah it's a lot of fighting and our heroes get to the hangar and there's even more stormtroopers and they're just like oh man what are we gonna do but luckily they have pointed out these lovely tanks in act two and the mithril was like oh look tanks we could sell these on the black market and they're like wow that could be like getaway vehicles so they jump in the big tank thing and then they try to blast their way out but all the doors close on them so they have no choice and kara drives the tank over the edge and down into the ravine but uh uh-oh the stormtroopers have bikes and the biker stormtroopers are after them except for two and it makes me laugh because you have like four biker like five biker dudes going over the edge it's this awesome amazing shot and then two of them immediately crash into each other because i guess they're the best and the brightest that the empire has now apparently that's but, yeah that's yeah it's it's the empire is sort of like post-covid at this point what, what <laughs> does know, that the work, mean the, the empire workforce is sort of post-covid i thought that was brilliant that was just it subverted what you you were just like, ooh, this is cool. And then you're like, whoops. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you mean by post-COVID. Well, like the like you know the, the 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 like a lot of like restaurants and businesses are sort of just like you know oh, under, understaffed and making the best with what they have. And I think that's what the empire is right ah, now. And gotcha, gotcha. and 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 let's let and COVID would be like, you know, the blowing up of of all the death stars <laughs> the killing of the emperor would be covid to the imperials yes yeah. um anyway so uh it's a chase and 
car is driving and grief gets on the guns and he's all like pew 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 at the stormtroopers and the stormtroopers are like we're gonna get you and grief's like no you're not and he like blows them up and they're all like yeah we did it we beat the empire look the base is exploding we're free we did it good job team and then they hear the sound and it's a terrifying sound and screeching through the sky is a bunch of TIE fighters. And our heroes are just like, ah, fuck. And they're like, we gotta go! And Grief is like, I'm trying to shoot them! Evasive maneuvers! And Kara's like, abort mission! And they're like, no, don't abort! And Kara's like, I only have like three more episodes left in this series! I gotta make the best of it! And Grief is like, well, you shouldn't have been such an asshole on Twitter! It's your own damn fault, honey! And so... Grief loses one of the guns to the TIE Fighters, and they're out in the open, and they're running, and just when it looks like all hope is lost, and they're about to get blown up, Mando shows up in the Razor Crest, and he's like, don't worry, guys, I'm here with my son, and Grogu is like, I have cookies, and he's like shoving cookies in his mouth, and like, Din is flying after the TIE Fighters, and Grogu's like, Wee! It's a roller coaster! And, like, this gift's gonna be all over Twitter for, like, three weeks. It's gonna be great! And so, Din comes in, and he blows up all the shit, and he takes out the TIE Fighters, and Grogu vomits cookies. And Din's like, Ah, oh, shit, yeah, I forgot I'm a dad. Let me just get that cleaned up. And as he's cleaning up his kid... He calls in to say goodbye to Grief and Kara, and he's like, I gotta go find Ahsoka Tano. And they're like, have fun. So Den flies off into the unknown to go find Ahsoka. Back with the rest of the crew, Carson Teva has showed up, and he's like, hi, I'm here for the New Republic, Grief. Can you tell me everything about with the Imperial base? And Grief is like, no! Get the fuck out of my store! And Carson's like, okay. And he leaves, but he sees Cara Dune outside feeding her ferret. And he's like, hey, I think you'd be really good for the New Republic. And she's like, nah, bro, I'm not. And he's like, aren't you from Alderaan? Sorry that your planet got blown up. And she's like, yeah, thanks for that, I guess. And he's like, yeah, that's me trying to guilt you into joining the New Republic because some shit's going down out here. You know, those core world assholes, like, they don't believe us, but, like, we're out here all the time. And we see a lot of stuff, and Kara's like, oh, that sounds like the premise of a really cool TV show. They should give you your own TV show, Kara, uh, Carson Teva. Maybe it should be called Rangers of the New Republic. And Carson is like, I love that idea. Anyway, I gotta go. And she's like, okay, bye. But oh no, it's not over yet. Because there's still like two minutes left on the episode. Because the baddies are here. And then we get Katie O'Brien. And she's gorgeous. And she gets there. And she's like super high. And she's like a comms officer. And she gets a message. And she's all like, hey... Moff Gideon, we got a message. Remember the really, really skeevy guys in Act 1 who's working for Grief Karga? Yeah, they work for us now, and they put a tracking device on the Razor Crest, so we now know where the child is. Let's go. And Gideon is like, awesome. I love Grogu. Let's go get him. Also, I'm Moff Gideon, and look at my Nothing Burgers Dark Troopers. Aren't they great? And Katie's like, yeah, they're really great. This is going to be fun. And, Car- great, and, and Gideon's like, all right, everybody, see you next time. The end. 
Dark Troopers available in 12-inch action figure and 8-inch action figure. In the Black Series. <laughs> in the Black Series, yes. Um, I mean, the chase sequence in the, this is like, like cut and paste Star Wars, but it's great. It's very well presented and it's super, it's kind of simple in idea, but like it just is very, has a really good flow of action in it. And I think they gave Carl Weathers this show because it had a lot of just sort of it for one it they probably probably part of like the plan was he would probably get to direct a bunch of episodes like you know since he's like sort of one of the bigger actors that they they've pulled in like he would probably get to direct some some episodes of of the series he's in and so this sort is going to give you and you th- and getting the idea that it's going to be like book of boba fett where it'll be a lower budget than the mandalorian or say kenobi or something like that or probably ahsoka is going to be but um so you know they give it they give him an episode that and this gives us a taste a little taste of what the show might have been like which would have been pretty good he he's a good action director but there were also lots of opportunities to set him up with like people standing and doing dialogue, which he was just sort of, which were sort of just very standardized directing, which is very common for actors that start directing because they just sort of, you know, they, they remember like, okay, when I was on a TV shoot, this was how we got this done. And then that's how they, you know, but I, um, yeah, it's this episode is sort of a taste of something that's not going to happen, or, <laughs> or you know that 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 wasn't going to happen. But it's a it's a it's a good taste. It doesn't like it. It does advance the story a little bit to the point of where they're like, okay, Moff Gideon's got Death Troopers or Dark Troopers or whatever, and he's got a tracker on the Razor Crest. And that's about it for the main storyline that we've garnered in this. We got a little bit of like spicy flavoring to it with the 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 snickles in the vat, but um, uh, yeah, it's 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 a really good action wind up, and it's fun to see like the kids doing roller coasters, you know, putting his hands up like. He's in a roller coaster. He's just like, yeah, a fight. You know, this is this is fun. And yeah, and, it's a and I think the scene. Mandalorian is also like hamming it up a little bit because he does the whole thing of like, hey, let's go to a high high elevation, cut the engines, do a little drop, and then blat. You know, it's like, here, kid, <laughs> this will be oh, fun. Yeah. I, I actually really love that scene. Like, I just find it really pure. And like, like he's just like. You want to see something cool, son? Whee! Yeah, yeah, something people would want to do if they were there. So yeah, it, I mean, it's just it's just very nice, but it's just from the last three episodes, this is the most the least consequential. You know, it might have been more consequential in the bigger picture of things if things had worked out differently. But like now, in the scope of it, the second time around, it's sort of like. Okay, it's a side episode, you know. It's a, you know, it's a lo- lo- lower budgeted episode. I thought it was okay. 
That's about all I got for Act 3. My phone just reminded me that I have a podcast tonight. I hope I make it there in time. Oh, geez. It's our podcast. I know. <laughs> it's hope because I'm not home right now. It's like, if you leave now, you can get there in one hour. And I was like, all right. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, phone. <laughs> um, for me, um, I actually already did a lot of my notes already for Act 3. Um, I love the sound of the ties coming in. It's yep. so chilling. I actually wish they didn't show them taking off because when it's our heroes just celebrating and then they hear that sound, like you see yeah. their faces drop. And we all know what that sound we all know that sound by now. We don't have we don't even have to see it. Yeah, we don't have to see them taking off. And I, but like it's a chilling moment, but I wish they had just like used the sound and not shown them. Um my only other two notes, because I've already really done everything else, um, are my two bigger notes. Um, let's 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 handle Gideon first, because we're already sort of talking about Gideon. Um, something that I've c- constantly have gone back and forth debating is how much is Gideon with the old Empire versus how much is he helping to start up the First Order. And I was always sort of leading in that he might not be with the First Order. But there's one thing that Katie's comm officer character specifically mentions. And when she's talking to the skeevy guy that works for Grief, she says that you will be rewarded in the new era. Right. Which sounds very much like a First Order thing. And I think that, to me, like really solidifies that he is part of this long-term plan to make the First Order. Um, and so I, I think old Imperials liked power. The new Imperials are, you know, the Imperials have been defeated. So if you're going to still stick with that side, I think these are people who either, you know, like had had, have had, have had it been exposed to the dark side of the force. So they've seen like supernatural stuff. So they're just like, ah, you know, I see now. And they, they have that that extra thing will is what will keep them functioning. Because otherwise, why wouldn't you just want to ditch out on that shit and, and find like a stable job somewhere or something? You were, you yeah. Know, there's you know. a lot of like novels like um of ex-imperials just being like, these people are fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Why? I mean, why? that was the whole point of. I'm um, in a big galaxy where I can go anywhere. That why was the I, whole, why, why was do her, I want to be in this like weirdo cult? What was her name in Kenobi? Tala, um, the Imperial character that helps out Leia yeah. and Ben. Um, I think her name is Tala. Um, she was the same. She was like, "Yeah, I joined up, and then I got there, and I was like, these people are fucking crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not gonna do this." I thought Scientology would help me get ahead in my acting career, and holy shit, this these people are nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, like that was like the biggest indicator that Gideon is helping to set up the First Order because you don't say a word like New Era. Um, the other big note I have, and it's kind of like my only like multi-point note, is about something that Carson says to to Kara. Carson talks about how the difference between the core worlds and the outer rim and the Senate and the core worlds don't believe that anything is up, but he, as someone who was in the outer rim every single day knows that something is going on with the empire. Yeah. 
And I found that really interesting because this is a time where the, because I think grief actually has a line earlier in the episode of just like the new Republic needs to stay out of our business. Um, and like let the outer, like if the empire couldn't settle the outer rim, why does the new Republic think that, that it can? And I, I just find that really interesting because we don't get a lot of politics. And one of the reasons I'm really excited about Andor, even though it's the Imperial Senate is that this is an era where we don't know about the new Republic. And Carson even says that they need local support, showing that the Outer Rim is still not on board with the New Republic because they need these Outer Rim planets to help them because they're so spread thin. And I really like this the, these like this dialogue because it shows why the First Order is able to come back. And it sets up more of why they're able to take over so easily because once they take out Hosni and Prime, there's no one left standing because the new order or uh, the new Republic is so spread thin and weak during this time. And so I just thought that was a lot of like really good story set up to show like for, for the sequels to give that background about the politics and why it's happening. Because even a new Republic pilot is saying like shit's happening and those assholes in their golden palaces of Hosni and prime aren't listening to us and things are fucking happening. Um, and in notes that only Charles will understand. Hi, Charles. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of the High Republic book, Midnight Horizon, because the Night Hill are the threat of the High Republic era. And Midnight Horizon takes place almost entirely on Corellia. And the whole point of the Night Hill is they're terrorizing the Outer Rim. But when like Cantum and Wreath and Ram and Comac get to Corellia, which is a core world, the core world people are like, oh, the Night Hill will never be here. They're not a real threat. This is just a thing. That's an outer rim problem. And it's this idea that the core world is safe because they're not the like wilds of the outer rim. But the plot of the book is the Night Hill invade Corellia and try to take like and, and attack it so that it turns out the core world is not safe. Um, and that's kind of like what happens in the sequel trilogy. Like you have these core world planets ignoring these outer rim threats of the first order. We see this in resistance. We're seeing it here at Mando. The first and what... order isn't doing any, the first order knows like if it was like trying to do, well, when I say the first order, Palpy knows if he was fiddling around in in the power centers that that would be a way to get wind of him so he's just like screw it i'm gonna like i got he's got a fester in the background you know and mm -hmm. and 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 then and, just like wipe it out because if he doesn't have the power to like take it you know but before he had to, he took it over from within and this time he's just going to bludgeon it through from the the weakened remnants both of them are weakened from, you know, the, the whole Star Wars trilogy. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, but that's so. that's kind of like what happens. Like the core worlds just ignore the First Order. And what happens? Hosni Prime, Prime gets blown up. And, out of sight, out of mind until it's yeah, too late. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole point. So I, I just thought that was really interesting. And it makes me actually... Um, it, it, that that if I ever get a chance to talk to Daniel Jose or, older, I'm wondering if he actually took inspiration from the sequel trilogies because essentially what happens in the sequel trilogy and what's happening in this episode and the Mando and B Book of Boba Fett is so similar to Midnight Horizon. Um, 
of like the core worlds versus the outer realm and like how they respond to threats. Um, so yeah, um, that's all I have for Act Three. I don't have anything else for this episode. Do you? No. All right, Chris, score it up for me. I gave it an eight. It's an okay episode. the The action sequences are beautiful in it. It's it's a very it's a very TV show episode, but it's 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 fun. It's 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 fine. It's not up to the it's not up to the last three episodes, but you know that's sort of the nature of the beast. You know the budget, <laughs> mm-hmm. the budget beast. But um, yeah, it was it was it, but it's a it's a fun episode. Like Carl Weathers is is very lively in it and very charismatic and fun to watch, and uh, and Din is especially himboish and Grogu is especially breathy and and goofy and pukey so it's 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 fun yeah i i feel very much the same way i i think this episode's fine it's very action heavy which is not my favorite thing in star wars but it's a lot of cool stuff i like seeing how it's connecting to the bad batch in the sequel trilogy and it gave us katie o'brien and she's my type and she's awesome and i love her in star wars and she's like Oh, she's so pretty, and I love her, and I just think so. I remember the first time I saw her. I remember the first time I watched this episode, and I saw her, and I was like, who are you? Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> what are you doing here? Hi, Imperial <laughs> Lady. Hi. Hi, everything that's like Hope's type in Star Wars. Hello. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the series. I hope you come back. <laughs> oh, I'm, my gosh. I'm, I'm Hope Mullinex, Rebel Scum. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Scum, please step on me. <laughs> <laughs> so um i gave it a 7.5 out of 10 i think it's a fine episode it's just yeah fine so it's fine yeah. yeah it's the weakest episode so far but as i, uh, I might I, argue I, it's I, the weakest of mandos as a whole so far yeah maybe maybe i'd have to think about that but yeah i could totally see that yeah for me at least so well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. This week, our feedback comes from our Twitter for our Bad Batch episode, War Mantle. And I just, I feel like I need to note this, Gene. Gene, you have been sending us so many wonderful comments on Facebook, but they're all like YouTube videos, which are really hard to share in an audio format. But I want you to know, I do see those, and I do well, we really... Can... I do really appreciate you sending us those feedbacks. <laughs> you see, this is Gene Gene, the marketing genius machine, right here, do it, doing that because that gives us a chance to plug our. That says, yeah, you know, if you want to see it, you got to go check it out on our Two True Freaks Cantina Facebook page. Or, no, it's know, in the normal one because it's, it's on the Two True Freaks podcast page. Yeah, yeah, yes, because it's, the, uh, you have it's to comments check out our to shows. Our, yeah, yeah, it's, it's comments to our podcast shows. Page. But I just so want to let... just try. He's driving traffic. He's he's click funneling. Gene, mm-hmm. Gene, the click funnel machine. But I just wanted to let you know, Gene, that I do see those and I do love them. But I just that's why I don't often share them because they're yeah. almost always like YouTube videos. But I do I do, I wanted to let you know I do see them. So you see you saw how it worked out when I had to describe a a, a moving GIF. GIF. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you forgot the most important thing, which was the man was shirtless, Chris. That was the point. <laughs> you forgot the most important thing. It was thing. obviously the most important thing to you, Hope. So, you know. <laughs> but this is uh, from Twitter for our Bad Batch episode, War Mantle. So take it away, Chris. And this is from Charles from Gold Squadron Gaze. And he says, 
So there's two corrections that spin into fun facts. And it's nice that he that he corrects us and then gives us a fun fact. But Charles, you, you can just correct us if you, you, you know, you, I mean, I don't know how I much told him this he's is. free to oh, um, yeah. correct us at yeah, all yeah, times. Yeah. And he was no, like, he, I he will. <laughs> Excellent. Bitch, so, I love it. <laughs> so correction love- number one. That's not Mount Tantus in the episode War Mantle. That's an unnamed Imperial facility on the planet Darrow. UI, that's a UIF, unnamed Imperial facility. Mount Tantus is on the planet Wayland, which is next to the planet Utani. Uh, this was discovered after really, that's an alien joke, so I wouldn't expect you to get it, Hope. Or, a, a, or potentially a, a Blade Runner joke also. This was discovered after a really neat effort by the community to theorize, look at concept art file names, check legends, and later look at the guide on the website where images finally confirmed that, yes, that's Mount Tantus and the Stinger, and it is on Wayland. It was a fun week to be a Legends fan on Twitter. Um, Number two, hang on, I have to scroll down. Uh, Number two, this is actually not the first time we're seeing maybe scorch the commando from republic commando his whole squad delta squad appeared in an episode of clone wars in season three which is in the mist oh my god that's a while ago there's a few republic commando references in clone wars and the bad batch the biggest in the bad batch being the inside the helmet shot of hunter in the episode of reunion i do remember that um i can't remember because I remember talking I about that, that note when we did the episode, uh, which is of the mist. Um, so, because I remember everyone freaking out, like, is there Republic Commandos? And I think Dave Filoni's behind the scenes featurette was talking about Republic Commandos for which is of the mist too. And I think that's on StarWars.com. So, thank you, Charles. I love you. <laughs> Always correct us because we are not yes. legends people. So, somebody's got to. So I told Chris. For this week and next week, there will be no candy because I forgot to pack the candy when I came to Cat Set. So we don't have candy for two weeks, which is that probably good things for running a little low. And <laughs> shrimp set. And clownfish set. We, uh, yeah, a nice angelfish. I've been calling angelfish. Angel. That's a clownfish. <laughs> I've been calling Sorry. him angel. Didn't I'm mean just... to count, call your angel a clown. Every time I walk over, I'm just like, hello, Angel. And he's like, hello, feed me. So he's the one fish that gets fed every day. So he, I always get to talk to him every single day. So, But yeah, no candy for this week and next week because I forgot to pack it. So. Um, but did you have anything else for the siege? I do not. I'm actually surprised this episode was so long, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right, Chris, well, where can people find you? You can find me at 2TrueFreaks.com. That is our podcast where we have all our 2TrueFreaks podcasts, including tons of other ones besides J Guys and Jedi. And we are also on Twitter, as we just mentioned, uh, um, funneling all our clicks to uh, Twitter, to Facebook. We'll do Facebook first. That's where Facebook is where you can see, and probably Twitter too, all the... um, incredibly incisive videos that gene will post in response to our episodes mm-hmm. that we can that that we we could but we will not describe on the show you have to go you have to go to facebook sorry guys truly i'm sorry um and we also have the two true freaks cantina 
and you could go there. You could post your own videos there. Just don't don't break none of the rules. But Facebook will know that, and you guys, you, you're not gonna post those dirty, dirty videos on our on our Facebook page, are you? Please, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm 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 drifting. Hope I'm drifting. I know. I'm like anyway. I have cat stuff. I got kitty, kitty litter boxes. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Bringing it all back. You can uh, also find all our our podcasts at Twitter at the at Two True Freaks on Twitter, run by Gene Gene the Click Funnel Machine. Click 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 Gene. I made a funnel noise of all our clicks being sucked over to Facebook to see see the videos that Gene posts and the gifts and the shirtless gifts. Anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope? You can find me at Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Mullinex on Twitter. I'm also a staff writer for the Geeky Waffle. I am continuing my recaps of Dead in Paranormal Park, which have been so much fun. But I also recently reviewed the Lightyear movie, um, and uh, which which is a good movie. It has problems, but I did enjoy Lightyear. So you can see that over on the Kiki Waffle. Um, and I just want to say, but I can't share the name yet because we haven't officially launched it yet. But actually, our friend Charles is part of this, too. Me and Charles and uh, Chris from Dark Side Divas and Jess from RuPalp's Pod Race and Nathan. Um, I think Nathan used to be part of Katanacast, but uh, I think uh, Katanacast ha- is no more. But uh, all of us are getting together for a special podcast project. And we have named it. We haven't launched it yet. Actually, it might be launched by the time this episode comes out, so we'll see. Actually, no, because uh, we're recording our first section session in, in September, so it's not officially launched yet. But we have a person for the music. I'm very excited about this. And so just be on the lookout for my feeds, because I have a new project in the works, and I'm very excited about it, and I can't wait to share it with everybody. But be on the lookout, because... I am excited. So I will be probably announcing it very soon. And I can't wait. So yay! <laughs> Katana cast is no more is a great supervillain line. <laughs> you're like, Katana cast is no more. I'm just thinking of some like anime villain going, ha 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 ha, Katana <laughs> cast is no more. No, they all just get really busy with life. Um, but Katana cast is one of the uh, podcasts I still suggest checking out because they do have trans people on their show who talked about the Cara Dune stuff at length. Um, and so, so like, I would still look up their feeds because it was a a good show. They just got really busy with lives and stuff like that. So, um, definitely go check out our friends for for sure. Yeah, definitely go check out our friends over the Katana cast. But, all right. I'm, I think next week's going to be an interesting week because I have a lot of mixed feelings about this episode. So I'm excited to see it again. This will actually be my fourth time watching it. So, I, yep, yep, yep. I've actually seen it a couple times. I, I, I like this episode, but I'm, I'm wondering what it's going to be like on a, on a third viewing. My two viewings were sort of back to back, so it was really one viewing, sort of. I don't know. There wasn't time in between them, really. 
But yeah, so come back next week where we are going to be talking about Chapter 13 of The Mandalorian, The Jedi. Back on form for this season. Mm-hmm. With, the, with the title mm-hmm. and the theme. Yep, some. All right, guys, see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True Freaks. Freaks.